Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. And I am JP Mutter. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. <laughs> JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. Dude, it looks like you were having a blast earlier at the Fun House. Absolutely. And I don't know why I didn't come. Yeah. I mean, I left you by the house of fun. Can't believe it. I don't know why I didn't come. And we established earlier uh, this season that you don't really even like standing, so I couldn't lean heavily into the something that had to make you run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went with the House of Fun. Yeah. Rob, 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 tell them what banger of a song we are covering today. This absolute behemoth of a hit is Don't Know Why by Nora Jones. We did all that yelling and then it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, let's go! <laughs> I waited till I saw the sun <laughs> I don't know why I didn't come I Somehow, my candles in my house just lit themselves. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't come I don't know why right. A I bubble bath is forming. <laughs> The lights just dimmed on their own. Yeah. Oh, man. What a jam. That is Don't Know Why by Nora Jones from the 2002 album Come Away With Me, written by our guest today, Jesse Harris. There we go. We're going to learn a lot about Jesse today. He has a brand new album out called Silver Balloon. It's awesome. It just came out, uh, and we got to hear some of it uh, before. And let me tell you, it's going to be really interesting. Very cool from the very beginning. uh, Very interesting. And we'll we'll probably play you a clip or two uh, here in a little bit. But we're going to talk to Jesse here in a little while. He has several cuts off of this monstrosity album. Uh, And so we get to talk to him about uh, a lot of that. So stick around for that. At the end, we're going to talk to Jesse Harris. But first, we're going to talk about this song. Like, hit song is not even the word. You know? (laughs) Right. And and, and, in fact, that whole album, hit is not even, we're going to, it's seriously off the charts. It's almost literally off the charts. Um, (laughs) So, Don't Know Why, from the 2002 album, Come Away With Me, uh, went only to number 30 on the Hot 100, which is shocking. Yeah. I found that very strange. It's Nora Jones' only top 40 hit on the Hot 100, but it only went to number 30. It felt like it was everywhere. I can't believe. And it was. Like, the rest of the metrics bear out that it was everywhere. So, I don't know why on the Hot 100 it didn't land. It must have had other... I'm thinking 2002, we're still in the, like... Um, in the early, uh, not you. Well, yeah, in the first few years of the like Britney, Christina, um, that era, in sync kind yeah, of you maybe. know pop, and so maybe that was dominating the. 
Maybe it's a little too jazz, a little too soft. To, maybe that it didn't. Know. Yeah, that it had like a lot of other stuff to compete with mm-hmm. stylistically. But but anyway, we're gonna find out. It went to number four on the U.S. Uh, AC chart, number eight in the adult top forty, number five adult alternative, number thirty two in mainstream top forty. It was number five in Australia, number twenty four in New Zealand, number fifty nine in the U.K. Uh, it was the number seven U.S. adult contemporary song of 2003. So, like, the AC chart is numerically where the single shined. Yeah. Um, and I think what happened is the way it released, and there was kind of a slow burn with the album taking off. And yeah. then it was just everybody was buying the whole album. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of what happened. This is a great, I mean, the, I don't want to jump still thunder but like this album as a collection like you want to listen to the whole thing together yeah like it's it's all perfect together it's massive and i've got some good stuff coming up uh on the album uh the song itself was the number 97 song of billboard for 2003 okay so like it stayed on the chart it just didn't peak as high as you might have thought Mm -hmm. as as high as i thought anyway for sure it is uh, certified two times platinum in the u.s it's platinum in australia and italy as well uh, the song itself, we're going to talk a lot about Grammys today because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is like a Grammy machine, this song in this album. Uh, the song won three Grammys. It won for Record of the Year, for which it beat uh, Dilemma by Nelly, How You Remind Me by Nickelback. Which, Thank goodness. Say what you will, but that is a good song. <laughs> how You Remind Me is a cool song. This is how like, you remind me. It's uh, That was their first breakout single. Was it? I, kept, and, I didn't know where it fit in the order. Yeah, of. and it, it sounds cool. It's before you realize Chad Kroger's a dirtbag. <laughs> it's like, you know. Um, and then uh, let's see the other, others in His that His hair's cat- not quite as greasy in yeah. that video. That's that right. Time. He was still showering. Yeah, it was all good. Um, a Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Okay. And now, see, those I can see those competing head to head for because sure because it's female piano player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, without me by Eminem was the other one up for record of the year. The record of the year is different from song of the year. Record of the year is sort of inclusive of the whole this the combination of song and sound and production, yeah. all that uh, mm-hmm. is record of the year, and then um, it also uh, won for. Yeah, it also won for Song of the Year. So technically, it that's, won two. That's Jesse's Grammy. Mm-hmm. It won Song of the Year 2003, Jesse Harris. Um, the other songs up for that were A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton, uh, Avril Lavigne, Complicated, uh, which I did not realize was up for Song of the Year. Bruce Springsteen, The Rising, and Alan Jackson for uh, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, how about that? Wow. 2002, dropping that one like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. There, there you go. go. Uh, the song also won the Grammy for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Uh, it beat Soak Up the Sun by Sheryl Crow, Complicated by Avril Lavigne, Get the Party Started by Pink, and Overprotected by Britney Spears, um, which in hindsight, maybe we should have paid more attention to that song. Um, (laughs) so here's something, here's something I found interesting in another random case of, I guess I just don't get it. Uh Okay. We've had a few of these recently and they've kind of revolved around the same person. Do you know who the most nominated person for best female pop vocal performance of all time is? Cher. Barbara Streisand. Oh yeah, man, I get it. She's been around, I I guess. I I guess I just don't get it. We just don't, yeah. (laughs) She's been nominated 12 times. That's four more than Mariah Carey, Linda Uh Ronstadt, and Peggy Lee, who all have eight. Okay. Peggy Peggy Lee? Yeah. Does Fever release that many times? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's like, uh, it comes around every year, you know, it's like cold and flu season. (laughs) 
like uh that's right yeah so anyway barbara streisand who knew i, I certainly not me i didn't yeah. whatever okay let's get into some listening notes let's on this it. song first of all let's talk again we've talked a few times about chromaticism uh but i want to talk about it again so chromaticism is the use of half steps so in a scale you have a major scale do re mi fa so la ti do but in a chromatic scale there are 12 steps okay and it's do do sharp re re sharp <laughs> mi fa fa sharp i don't even know if i'm doing that right i can't i can't process all that um but it's every you know there are 12 steps instead of eight and it uses it uses half steps um the use of uh half steps is is called chromaticism and this is one of the greatest examples of chromaticism leading your ear through the chord progression, okay? So what we're going to hear at the very beginning is a we're in B flat, okay? okay. So we're going to start on a B flat major 7 chord, okay? So that's B flat. Here's our here's our root, okay? Here's our B flat and we're going to get root 3 5 major 7, okay? So functionally, we're talking about a B flat chord, but the but the the uh, guitar is actually playing that major seven at the beginning. Okay, then what we're going to hear is da that major seven dun 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 dun. We're going to hear that note go down a half step with each chord, and every time it tells your ear what's coming next. Okay, yeah, that was good. All I right. enjoyed that. Listen, listen, listen to that one that one note and we're just going to follow it all the way down and it's going to be the note that your ear follows through these chords okay oh well that time it doesn't go to the one but so you're just Okay. I left you by. And so here's what what else is cool it, that after that initial intro line, the guitar isn't playing that major 7 note. It's just playing a B flat, or, you know, a B flat chord. Mm-hmm. But the the first note of the vocal melody is the major 7. I waited till, right? So the vocal is actually hitting that note. And then your ears just already trained. This is where I'm going. Yep. So it just feels like a a loop. Yeah. It, it's cool. it's like entrancing kind mm-hmm. of it's like you can't not follow that your your ear can't miss those changes you mm-hmm. know yeah and it's not like a it's not a circle of fifths progression part some of it is but it's it's one then a like a one seven like a one one dominant like b flat b flat seven then it's e flat d seven so okay so you're going one one seven four, four Three, three major seven, uh-huh. okay. Three major dominant, then a six, two, five, one. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so that's, it's not going. The chords aren't chromatic, just the right, just the note above yes. that's being played. Okay, so that's it, cool. The chords are moving around in different ways. Some of it is like led by fifths, but but some of it's not. Um, but the but the that chromatic melody is eight chromatic half steps down, leading your ear perfectly beautifully uh and pleasantly through those chords 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, the uh, melody on the, I guess we'll call it the chorus. My heart is drenched in white. All right, it's just climbing down a B-flat scale. Heart is drenched in white. But you'll be But that second note, so we're going... That's a six chord. Okay, my heart is drenched, drenched. It's a two major chord. So the six chord would be a G minor. Uh huh. G minor. Yep. And then your two chord is a C major, major. but it really becomes a C thirteen. The melody is actually singing the thirteen, which is an A natural. Okay. Um, so it's which is okay if you're playing like if you're walking down the bass line. Well, yeah. no, if you're starting on a G, you'd be walking it up. Yeah, but the but, but the, the A is the note, right? Not the A on the is the bottom. melody note. Yeah, so okay. the bass is going G, C, C. F, mm-hmm. right? It's just a, that's a fifth, which is a kind five. Of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the but the melody is so simple. Heart is drenched in white, and you don't mm-hmm. think about that. It's actually adding these colors to the chords underneath it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, it's it's so simple, but it's giving this super pleasant touch and turning that C chord into a C thirteen, um, which is which is really nice and more complicated than it sounds but that's kind of what it's you know it's such a lovely color um really and that's the melody is that's it right there's really only two there's not like a bridge or some key mm-hmm. change or whatever it's the da 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 right which is just a um, b flat major seven arpeggio seven uh seven five five three three one one yeah. right and then da 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 one three two yeah. one one two three so that, it's not like he's like I just wrote the best melody ever. Yeah, exactly. But it's it's it's, it's soothing. It's perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's soothing. It's it draws you in. It's you know whatever. And of course, her, 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 of course, her delivery is part of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Like the way she the way she brings you in. Um, it's just really it's really interesting. The whole song is so tender. Yeah. Everything about this song is like like we were listening through it first, and I was like, is the bass even in? But it's because uh-uh. it's just sitting back uh-huh. until kind of about halfway through that second verse, and it leans in a little bit. But it's like, um, you know, the snare drum is barely happening. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, and then with that same kind of like delicacy she delivers her vocals in spots especially the high notes it's like she eases into Uh it so much so tenderly you know everything about this song is uh is just very uh, tender is the best word i can come up with for it yeah she's not a powerhouse vocalist but she's a great singer yeah like she has great great range great She's the anti-Christina Aguilera. Yeah, exactly. Christina Aguilera's voice enters the room six minutes before she does. She's like, put me back in the bottle. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Would you please stop rubbing me and please put me back in that bottle? Um, Yeah, like, (laughs) that's hilarious. Okay. Um, Let's see. How about lyrical content? It's kind of an unusual kind of apology song. It is an apology song, but it's not your typical... Um, it's not baby come back, you yeah. know, right. It's <laughs> yeah. not, um, uh-huh. it's, it, it's a statement of regret really uh-huh. is what it is. Like, um, I was supposed to meet you and I left you hanging. 
Um, it doesn't even really say that the meeting was supposed to be romantic, uh-huh. just that it didn't happen, right? So, yeah. like, what else could it have been? What else? You know, I was by the funhouse. We were supposed to go gamble. That's or it. like we were, dude. We were supposed to play pickup ball. We we were about to rob the funhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, I left you hanging. You're in jail. This could have been about a drug deal. It could have been. Like that's right. you know, it, I'm left here holding this bag. Uh, yeah. You didn't show. Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> Let's destroy. <laughs> don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's part of the appeal. You know, there's there, for some reason it seems to me to have a pretty simple interpretation. Yeah. But if you go on like websites that talk about song meanings and stuff like that, people get wild with these uh-huh. interpretations. You yeah. know, somebody always says it's about Jesus. <laughs> somebody, you know, it's true. Somebody always says it's about sex, it's, and somebody always it's, says it's about drugs. It's, it's so funny. It's good. Yeah. It's, Song from her to her pastor. I know yeah. you're at the altar. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's, but it's like no. Come on, it's funny. This is just this is just an apology. That's right. You know, and it's like I don't. Everybody's had that moment though. That's what I think. It, the thing makes it so relatable is it's applicable to a lot of different yep. feelings that people have had. Everybody has felt this thing where you just you freeze up and you back out of something, or you or you you know just go. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't do that, and I I couldn't could not enumerate for you the reasons why. Yeah, I just know. I froze. I I bailed. Uh-huh. You know, whatever. And so I'm sorry. We've all felt that. Don't. There's no need to overcomplicate it. Um, but you know, maybe, I don't know. Maybe there's a, a drug dealer out there who's like, "This is this, for me. This hits home." Jesse Harris wrote my heart right here. You know. Um, I guess there's an implication that the the protagonist that Nora was supposed to like maybe sail away with somebody, right? You've got the second verse uh, that has out across the endless sea. I would die in ecstasy, but I'll be a bag of bones driving down the road alone. You've got the first time or for the longest time when I heard it, I didn't hear bag of bones. I heard vagabond. I'm so glad you said that. Really? Yes. Uh, is that somebody talk about that? We're going to talk about that actually in a, if we haven't talked about it already, we're going to talk about it in a future episode. Really? Yeah. Okay. That very line. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, table that. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for the longest time I sang vagabond. Yeah. I think it's well. Okay, let's listen to it because let's listen to her delivery of the word "bag of bones" because that B is a V. The, yeah. In bag, she she says "vagabones." <laughs> she does. Listen. But I'll be a I mean, that's hey, that's, a, that's a very very casual B. That's uh-huh. like her lips barely touched. There's uh-huh. like it's that that thing of where I don't know if I can even explain this, but I know you know what I'm talking about. You ever had that thing happen where like. Just the very tip of your lip sticks together. There's like a piece of flesh somehow that connects between your two lips, and it won't. It doesn't oh, open fully. Yeah, yeah, you, okay, yeah, you know what I'm talking okay, about. Yeah, I got it now. It's like you. Uh, it's you're... like you passed air through that feeling <laughs> and called it a B, right? Like you you wrote a B, but you sang that's, that. That's good. That's, that's awesome. That's how bag of bones comes out right there. Um, that's that's so funny that you said that. Okay. Uh, but I do love that juxtaposition of, you know, it, it's kind of the implication seems to be like, maybe we were supposed to sail off together yeah. or something because it, you get that we were supposed to be out on the endless sea mm-hmm. and I would have been so happy, yeah you know, but instead I'm going down the road by myself, yeah you know, <clears throat> so that's kind of the only real indicator of any sort of specificity to the story. It's a good word. Specificity. Thank you. Specificity. And then the sequel, uh, Specificity 2, um, <laughs> which is superior. Um, okay. Now, this makes me want to go, um, unless you have, unless you want to interject something here. 
I'm good. Roll with okay, it. Okay, all right. I'll keep steering for a second. Um, there is an original version by Jesse Harris and the Ferdinandos um, from, I can't remember the year, but it was a couple years prior to this. And uh, so why don't we play a little bit of that? You'll hear a lot of similarities, but you you know, you know definitely hear the um, kind of the, the magic from the Nora Jones version. Of course, we're in a different key. But the elements are there. Waited till I saw the sun. I don't know why I didn't come. Left you by the house of fun. I don't know why I didn't come. I don't know why I didn't come. When I saw the break of day, it's like it's still chill, and it's so weird. Weird comparison analogy here. She's singing that from her either apartment or house, thinking about him elsewhere. Okay, he's singing that outside by the ship. Okay, like his sound sounds yeah. more outside, and her sounds more I inside. That. If that makes any sense, yeah, maybe sure. it's the piano versus guitar. It's maybe true. it's the vocal delivery. It's just the sound. Piano, I don't know. piano. You think well, you don't just have a piano sitting <laughs> right. beside you? Right. You're inside somewhere. You didn't carry your but, piano down to the ship you, house, exactly. But you could have carried your guitar down to the pier, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's true. And I and you're not looking at this, but I'm looking at the cover, and they're okay. all like. Um, they're like dressed in uh like kind of winter winter gear like okay. out, you know outer coats uh, uh-huh. you know that kind of stuff and so it makes me think gloves okay. you know it's like you're cold you're outside like yeah. for sure so that's funny uh she has so she did a uh Nora did a live version in 2020 from kind of like from her living room or whatever with some different chord colors i just want to point this out for some this is a very um not on a click version, yeah, yeah. right? It's very casual. It's is she. Are you watching her play it on piano? Mm-hmm. Is it like a box piano in her it house? Is, yeah. Okay. That's a great chord. Mm-hmm. If she'd just slow it down a bit. <laughs> Yeah, come on. I don't know why. Mm. It's like the it's like she's playing the inside notes of the chords without really playing all the bass notes and kind of giving it away. You know what I mean? I I love that. It's gorgeous. Um, she's so good. Mm-hmm. Like as a as a just as a pianist, like she is phenomenal. You know, <clears throat> and she has so the, one of the whole things about her was that she was on. She she got signed to Blue Note Records through this song. This is the song that got her signed. Blue Note Records is like the jazz label, you know. Um, and she has those chops. She has legit, you know, jazz chops. But she channeled it for the purposes of her artistry mm-hmm. um, into more of a folky jazz infused 
sound, you yeah. know what I mean? That uh, might... It's more relatable to a lot more ears than if she just gets on and shows that she can play cool chords and... Yes, yeah. And so we'll see that in a few minutes more when we talk about the album itself. But I just want to go ahead and point that out here that she is on a jazz label and she is a jazz legit you know, jazz musician. Um, and of course that will come out to bear later in her career as she then gets into that, you know what I mean? And starts collaborating and all that stuff. Let's meet the band real quick. And then we're gonna talk some more about the song. Okay. Hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. All right. We're going to meet the band that played on. Don't know why. Here we go. Uh, I'm gonna well, I'll go ahead and say Jesse's name. But we're gonna talk all things Jesse Harris yeah. here in a little bit. So hang around. You guys are really gonna like him. On bass guitar, Lee Alexander. Let's talk about how Lee produced one of my very favorite albums ever, the Amos Lee self-titled first album. Okay. I love it. So not only is he a stellar bass player, and he's obviously playing upright here. Um He's really good, um, but he's a wonderful producer as well. On drums, Dan Reiser. He also played drums on that aforementioned Amos Lee album and was also in uh, Marcy's Playground. Really? Yeah, Sex and Candy, Marcy's yeah. Playground. He was the drummer. Okay, so I didn't Marcy's know Playground that. for that's a awesome. while. Um, and that's basically your rhythm section. Yeah, and then Nor on piano. Not a ton of instrumentation going on. But there's a lot of production and engineer work. Well, I say a lot, three or four that we'll talk about. So Arif Martin uh, did some production and mixing. He did stuff with Holland Oates, Roberta Flack, Anita Baker, Aretha. So pretty, yeah. pretty legendary producer. Um, he did the mixing on that. Jay Newland uh, did production and engineering and mixing as well. Twelve-time Grammy winner, 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 <laughs> winner. He wor- he worked with Clapton. He won a Grammy recently with John Schofield. So he's got Grammy. Uh, Pedigree. In the jazz world, as yeah. you as you mentioned. Um, assistant engineering, Mark B- uh, Berkey. Mastering, Ted Jensen. We've talked about him a lot. He did Eagles Hotel California. He also did American Idiot for Green Day. Yeah. So, like, he's – and this. So, yeah. he's, he's touched a little bit of everything. Um, and then on vocals, piano, production, um, Nora Jones. I didn't write down a lot of stuff about Nora. Did you do stuff? Uh, yeah, on- I've got some Nora stuff. Uh, I'll look- let you talk on her if you want to now. Yeah. Let's hit so Nora Jones, aka. So I'm hoping. I, so I'm hoping I may have a bit of research that's going to astound you like it astounded me because I learned something about Nora Jones that I definitely did not know that was like earth shattering. Nora Jones, aka Gitali Nora Jones Shankar, born in Grapevine, Texas, the child of concert promoter Sue Jones and Indian music legend Ravi Shankar. No, I did not know that. Ravi Shankar is Nora Jones's dad. I never knew that. Good, Dude. good find. Ravi Shankar, if you don't know the name, is the guy who, among a million other things, indirectly and directly popularized the use of Indian music, specifically the sitar, sitar. in Western music. Yeah. Um, he taught George Harrison of the Beatles and, and is kind of the gateway for George into a whole other area of artistry and philosophy. Uh, Ravi Shankar won untold awards in areas of art, academia, government, even faith and religion. He fathered at least two other children who are musicians, uh, and Nora's, these would be Nora's half-siblings, Anushka Shankar and uh, Shubhendra Shankar. Um, when Nora was 16, she removed her first and last names with permission of her both parents and simply became Nora Jones. But 
I was like, what? And that makes me like her even more because she could have leaned into that. Sure. Oh, yeah. And she could have like been, hey, Dad, can you get George to play on my next project? For sure. But she went with Jesse Harris, right? which yeah. makes Jesse a legend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He should brag about that. He replaced George Harrison right. on the Nora Jones project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, just that name alone that. could awesome. have unlocked a lot of doors. You know what I mean? And I'm, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, I don't know that she tried to like hide it or anything, but it's you know, it's not like, um, I don't, I don't, well, I don't know. Cause you know, Jacob Dylan, like from wallflowers was basically like, don't, don't say the name That's Bob. the wallflowers. You can use the with wallflowers. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. <laughs> uh, you know, he was like, basically don't say the name Bob around me yeah. for a while, mm-hmm. you know? But, um, so I don't, I don't know if she went either way or if she just like for artistic purposes wanted to set herself apart and yep. not lean on that. So she just became Nora That's Jones. That's cool. I, I, I was like, what? Yeah. Are you serious? Like, I had to go verify that. I was like, that's one of those things you're doing research and you go, there's no way that's true. That's not weird, Al. That's somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yes. That, yeah. Weird that's Al didn't another write that parody. Song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Um, that's Mark Lowry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Nora grew up singing in the Methodist Church and graduated from Booker T. Washington High School for the Performing Arts in Dallas. She had a particular love of Bill Evans and Billie Holiday, which you can really hear yeah, her you voice. Can hear that Once you say Billie Holiday, yeah. you're like, oh, I get her voice more. Mm-hmm. You know, it may, it, like I hear kind of, you know, where you grew out of. A little more on the song. This is from songfacts.com. Jesse Harris played guitar on the original demo, which ended up being used on the final recording. He almost stopped the take because he didn't like the mix in his headphones. Uh, But he kept going and was glad he did since that ended up being the keeper. Jones and her band were willing to do another take, but the engineer, Jay Newland, thought it was perfect and wouldn't let him. So that's awesome right like just keep rocking and we've got other takes we're in the digital age now we can do it again if we need to but if it's feeling good don't stop uh apparently uh, now i searched for this maybe somebody out there can help me find this but uh, apparently there's an alternate mix out there that emi had done uh to try and distribute to radio with a more modern sound that was in keeping more with the pop music of the day so like drum dance loops processed vocals um that but nora wasn't having it and she made him distribute the real version because she's like you know part of the whole point is i'm not britney spears yeah you know and so um but i i definitely really tried to find that i don't know if it ever like made it out or if it's something that they just kept internal you know but i would love to hear that yeah i'd be so interested to hear i can just hear that like over processed (laughs) 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 you know like that kind of thing like um like uh hand in my pocket by alanis morissette (laughs) you know or something like that (laughs) that's good (laughs) uh okay you're at the house and I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. It had a slow burn to the top 40. Like I said, it was the longest of all time by a female artist. It was 24 weeks on the chart before hitting the top 40. Oh, the wow. was. So that's still, so that's relevant for a while, but just not super relevant. Yeah, exactly. For- it was like, it just kept gaining steam, gaining steam, gaining steam. Let's talk a little bit about the album. Let's get into the yep. album. Cause there's, there's a lot to unpack on the album itself. So the album itself has sold 10 million sales in the U.S. alone. That's diamond if you're out there listening. So, you know, silver, gold, 
platinum is a million diamond is 10 million. And that distinction is held by a very few albums. Um, it has sold 27 million copies worldwide. The most ever for a jazz influenced album. Um, though, as I mentioned, like I suppose that distinction is arguable, a little bit subjective to the listener. Um, for example, it's been called quote, the most unjazz album yeah. blue note records has ever released yeah. by notable critic, Robert Criscow. Um, but just for reference, somebody somewhere is yelling, that ain't Coltrane, right. that ain't Miles Davis. Exactly. Okay. So let's put that against Miles Davis. <laughs> the top sellings, just straight jazz album of all time is kind of blue by Miles yeah. Davis, which has sold 4 million copies. Yeah. Okay. So if you are willing to admit that there is any sort of jazz influence in this, which I think you have to admit, mm-hmm. then you have to say it is the most ever, you know, jazz influenced album by far by a long shot yeah times three plus some yeah um it went to number one on the top 200 and so many other charts i literally basically worldwide the album was top five i and i say that like i say that a lot you know this album went to number one in a bunch of different countries i mean almost literally like across the un you go into the un and everybody's (laughs) blasting this in their ipod like that's awesome it's literally on i kid you not it's on like year-end charts you know where it was like the number whatever album of the year top 100 it's on year-end charts from 2002 through 2021 holy cow almost every year it was the number one u.s contemporary jazz album for 2020 and 2021 that's crazy uh and there are only about three years over that span where it wasn't a year-end charting album somewhere the charts are so ridiculous on this album i literally can't start naming them off and rob loves lists that, but yeah it's but, impossible but it would it would bring the the episode to a, just a screeching halt like <laughs> it would ridiculous but it does this is noteworthy it does land at number 26 on a list that we have never talked about. Okay. The Billboard all-time top 100 albums list. How have we not talked about this? We, I've never, it's never come up. It's, wow. We've talked about albums that are on it, but yeah. I've never seen it come up as a list before. Okay. And obviously, we've beat to death the joke about the Billboard all-time 600 singles. Yeah, but, but we've never, never talked about the albums. gotten into this album. So this is the Billboard all-time top 100 albums list. I think it was updated last maybe in like 26 you want to just tell me what it's sandwiched between yeah i'll tell you what it's sandwiched between it is number 26 come away with me it is between number 25 hysteria by def leppard and here's our here's our first uh here's our first uh what What? number 27 is daughtry by daughtry no 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 (laughs) how this these lists no, are so funny. No, no. Listen, I I get that there's a whole. No. <laughs> I get that there's a whole Daughtry army out there. I, I get it. I understand that he's more popular than I realize. Okay, I, I, I get that. I don't but know. the number twenty seven Billboard album of all time, you're going to tell Man. me is Daughtry? It's not over. That's wild. Punt. Let's no, thank you. Let's back that up a little bit. Number. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's let me. At least tell me what's 28. So 28 is Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park. Okay. I could see. I that can, makes a lot more sense. That seems to make a lot more sense. Let's just go it's down. It's like somebody th- slipped Daughtry's name in this list. It's like <laughs> it, 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 Tina Daughtry works for Billboard and is putting together. That's right. Yeah. She's like, I could put my son's number here at 27. Nobody will ever know. Right. Tina Daughtry is William Board's cousin. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, let's let me just start there and go down just the next five or okay. six because it's it's going to be funny. Okay, so number number twenty six has come away with me. Number twenty seven is Daughtry. Number twenty eight is Hybrid Theory. Number twenty nine is No Fences by Garth Brooks. Okay. okay, is that the best Garth Brooks album? No, I think Rope in the Wind is in the top ten. Yeah. Okay. I think Rope in the Wind is like okay. in the top five or six. Um, but so then, okay, so but what we're saying now is that none of these albums got as high as Daughtry's debut. Yeah, album, I know. Okay, I know. This is what we're saying. <laughs> So that means that number 30, Cracked Rear View by Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie, what? Come on. Can't compete. Dude, the next time we talk with Sony, we'll be like, man, you're good, but you're no Daughtry. You're, <laughs> you're no Daughtry. How about a little Dark Side of the Moon at number 31? What? No, this is heresy. Okay. And then you get into, then there's a couple more question marks here. Number 32 is Fallen by Evanescence. I mean that that was big. I, I that makes more sense than Daughtry to me. To me yes, because at least sense. there's two songs yeah. off there that are good. Then you got Slippery When Wet, Bon Jovi. Yeah, absolutely. I got no problem with that's that. Gotta be and then number four is Human Clay by Creed. Is that Human Clay? Okay, Human so Clay, that's, that's their the one second one. Higher, that's got, yeah, uh, arms, arms wide, wide open. open yeah. yeah. So I get that was a huge what album. If, it just seems. What, it, what if is a band? What if is the Let's song we'll cover with it? Yeah. So anyway, it's a it's an interesting list. False harmonics. Yeah. But anyway, so it, it does seem more reasonable to me mostly than the all-time Goodness 600. gracious. But there are definitely a few, like, eyebrow raisers oh, on there. Man. Also, Millie Vanilli is on this list. Really? Millie Vanilli is in this top 100, as is uh, Hannah Montana. Not Miley Cyrus. Not Miley Cyrus. A Hannah, Hannah Montana album is in the top. But, you know, I mean, kids have a lot of buying power. They do. You know, there are kids, kids with parents who have money to buy them right. things. Right. Uh, you know, command a lot of attention. So, but anyway, it's an interesting list. I'm to so check glad out. we talked about that. That was good. If you can find it, you kind of have to back end it. If you go on billboards, like official thing, it's a thing where you have to be like a billboard pro member that you pay for. Um, but some blessed soul on the internet, just compiled the list. And there we the go. So Tina Daughtry <laughs> <laughs> wanted to make sure that everybody could see her son. Yeah. Look what my son did. <laughs> uh, all right. The album, uh, we are still talking about Nora Jones, by the way. Yes. We're talking about uh, Come Away With Me. Uh, it won Grammys for Album of the Year, where it beat The Eminem Show, Home by Dixie Chicks, Nellyville, and The Rising by Springsteen. Best Engineered Album, Non-Classical. It won for Best Pop Vocal Album, beating Avril Lavigne's Let It Go, No Doubt, Rock Steady, Pink's Misunderstood, and Britney Spears' Britney. Um, all females in that category that year. That wasn't the like Best Pop Female Album. That was just Best Pop Vocal Album. And Nora also won a Grammy that year for Best New Artist. It is number 54 on the Rolling Stone Best Albums of the Decade, uh, between number 55, Raising Sand by Robert Plant and Alison Krauss, and number 53, Kings of Leon's Only by the Night. Jesse Harris wrote four of the songs and co-wrote another one on this album. So, like, he is all over that first album. Yep. Uh, should we hit a couple of other tracks Please. maybe off of this? Play Shoot the Moon, for so sure. Good. I love that one. Of all the flowers you Gosh, I love this song. And she just drops in those little. Oh, doo-doo-doo. I know. Me and you'd be sitting there banging away every chord. <laughs> and it'd be sounding like "Let It Be." <laughs> right. She's like, "No, I'll wait for my spot." Uh, how about I love this this next track? You and I used to play. Uh, this is "Turn Me On." Mm-hmm. There are few 
We used to play, we used all to play this song, by the way. Me yeah. and Rob didn't used to play Turn Me On. <laughs> we used to play the song Turn Me On in a band we were in. How about a little space? Yeah, man. I'm just sitting here waiting for you to come on home and turn me on. You getting hot in here? <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm sweating. Sweating a little bit. Um, man, so many great songs. One Flight Down. Come on. Uh, there you go. Oh, the chord! <laughs> Jeez! almost made me call on the name of the Lord. <laughs> um, geez, it's just so good, dude. So, um, long seven years. Are, long day is over. It's yeah, good. long. It's, yeah. It's so slow. Man. Yeah, no kidding. Another Jesse Harris song. Yeah. So anyway, Jesse, congratulations dude. on your extravagant wealth. Dude, I know, for- right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how the math works. Writing or co- writing four and co-writing a fifth on twenty-seven million. He probably albums. made about ten grand a chord. Right. <laughs> oh man, he's like B flat major seven, seven grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. This the, this album is is as the kids say a whole mood. It's I mean it's very focused, right? It never deviates from what it is. Yeah, the whole album is like. This is what Nora Jones sounds like, you know. Yeah. It's there's no like uh you know, who was it? Um I heard of, I was reading about recently and somebody we were researching, they were like, We're gonna keep this song off this album because it just doesn't feel thematically like it fits. There are none of those yeah. on this. It's like if they did a hidden track, it would be her at a piano yeah. with a you know, upright bass. Yeah. And light drums. Yeah, it exactly. Be, it's yeah. not gonna be like yeah, it's not gonna be bullet no butterfly house. wings. Or the, the house remix, is that what you're about to say? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see. Uh, this this album was re-released in 2022 uh, for the 20th anniversary with uh, some demos and additional outtakes that you know hadn't been heard before. Her follow-up albums have all debuted in the top three on the Billboard Top One uh, 200, except for 2020's "Pick Me Up Off the Floor." Um, 2020 was such a weird year. Who knows what it would what would it have even been yeah. like? You know. Um, but uh, she has been nominated for 44 awards and won 25. That's awesome. Including Billboard Music Awards, Brit Awards, nine Grammys, World Music Awards, um, and tons more. She literally has a – normally if you go to somebody's like Wikipedia page, you know, it has as part of that article, here's the awards that they've been nominated for and won for. And it's a little chart, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nora Jones literally has a separate Wikipedia page just to <laughs> list all the awards that she's won. That's awesome. Because she's done so much and and she like it, essentially she lives in a space that she owns. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like Nora Jones occupies that space. Yeah. She in in the in the world of like music for Starbucks. Nora Jones owns. She's yeah. the mayor. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like it's it's it. That's it. Yeah. You could branch out maybe to some like Diana Crawl, which mm-hmm. is a little more straightforward jazz, or you know, mm-hmm. which Nora Jones could have also done. But like Diana Crawl came and yeah. won a Grammy for I think Album of the Year for for basically just a straight jazz you know project. Um, 
but like as far as this like yeah. folk jazz influenced folk she own, she is it yeah you know yeah, you could make it a style like He's the you, face yeah like you could have oh there's jazz oh there's blues oh there's pop this style is called Nora Jones exactly like, it's a style if you yes if you're in a like a, a writing or a production session and you go maybe we take it in a kind of a Nora Jones section yeah uh, a, a Nora Jones feel feel yeah everybody knows exactly what you yeah. mean you know because this album was huge this was one of those. Um, you know, there's a few albums, early 2000s, before the big switch into digital, when people were still buying CDs in mass. This was one of those that everybody just had. This was one of the, you know, there's something, there's something special in my heart about those last few CDs that were just universally yeah. owned. Yeah, you know, same. It's like there are vinyls, jagged little pill. Yeah, it right. Yeah, feel, yeah, and it's a little earlier, but I know what yeah, you mean. Like, like that. this is on the very tail end uh-huh. before iTunes totally took over. Yeah, um, and so you know, it's like this. Uh, Switchfoot, beautiful letdown yes. was one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just a, f- a few of those that came out in like those early two thousands. Yeah, that's good. That was just like this. Everybody has the CD, and then and then after that, there really haven't been CDs that just everybody had. There have been albums, mm-hmm. but not CDs. So. Yeah, and this of all like this is a weird comparison, but like you could probably always find this CD at a used CD store. Yeah, because everybody was buying the CD, yeah. putting it on their computer, yeah. and so like at McKay's, you could always find copies of this album. And sure. It's not because people didn't want to keep the album, but that was at the era where everybody would buy the whole album, yep. put the whole album on the computer, Burn and then it. go get half their music, half their money back. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, okay, I think I got a couple more notes, but why don't we go? Oh, yeah, stump, stump the, the genius, genius. and do then it. we'll come back. Stump the genius. Part. All right, so we're going to stump the genius. Okay, so we've talked a lot about 2002. Um, 2002 was an interesting year. Um, this album one, we talked about the, the Grammy for the album of the year. It's perfect. Um, this year, Dick Cheney served as president for like two hours when President George Bush had his medical procedure. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That ever happened. Nine coal miners were rescued after 77 hours. I do remember that. AOL was the most popular website. <laughs> so this is where we are. Think about that. So. Stump the genius. Five major sports. Okay, I'm going to give you the five major sports. Major League Baseball, Uh NFL, NBA. uh, NHL. NHL. And I broke golf. We'll skip uh, hockey. Hockey. So we'll do that. No, NHL is hockey. Uh, Soccer. We'll do the World Cup. Because the World World Cup Cup. was that year. Okay. So I'm going to give you two words, or basically one player, and you're going to name me the team that won that year. Okay. So this team won, okay. won it their all sport. in their sport. Okay, and I think okay. I'm hoping you'll go five for five. Right. This is one where I'm cheering for you. Okay. So I'm trying to pick iconic players from the team. All right, go ahead and grab that bell. Got it. Number one, Kobe Bryant. Uh, L.A. Lakers. L.A. Lakers. Ring that bell. Boom. R.I.P. Number two, Kobe Bryant saved Mr. Peanut. Never forget. That's Kobe right. Bryant. <laughs> Kobe. No, wait, no. Kobe Bryant almost, almost saved, saved Kobe Mr. Bryant's death almost, almost saved, saved Mr. Mr. Peanut. Peanut. If you need that's from the uh, I just died in your arms tonight episode. Yep. Never forget. Uh, number two, Tom Brady. Uh, Patriots. New England Patriots. Good. Okay, these are gonna get a little trickier. Okay. So number three, Mike Sosha. Mike Sosha, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Anaheim there Angels, yes. Very good. <laughs> okay. Steve Eiserman. Steve Eiserman. Okay. All right. Okay. I feel like I'm almost there. This is two thousand two. Um, Steve Eiserman. Oh gosh. Okay. All right. One shot. Come on. Come on. Mom spaghetti. Um, <laughs> let's. I'm gonna go. Uh. Oh man. I feel like it's obvious, and I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna go. 
Boston Bruins? Detroit Red Wings. Detroit Red, Red, Red Wings. Wings. Okay, right. I have a hard time saying that word. Mm, Red Wings. The Detroit Red Wings. Okay. You got to get this to get the 80%. Okay. Since I get two words, I get to use two first or two one named athletes. Okay. So, <laughs> Ronaldo okay. and Pele. Uh, is it, oh, uh, e, uh, uh, oh, soccer fans are going to murder me okay. if I get this wrong. So I'm down. I'm, I'm trying to decide between. It's the World Cup. Yes. So. If you had just said Ronaldo, I know what I would have said, but then Pele makes me think a different country for some reason. I, so I don't know. I'm just going to go with my gut. Argentina. Brazil. Brazil. It's Brazil. <laughs> He accidentally rang his own. I was going to sixty percent. So yeah, yeah. close. Who's Argentina? Who's the who's like? Is uh, there, Diego Maradona. Maradona. Argentina would have been okay. the big right. one from there. Dang it! Yes, I rang the bell with anger. <laughs> anger bell. Sixty percent. That's okay. All he's right. he's pretty close to eighty on the year. How did you guys do at home? Uh, <laughs> it was two thousand two. Stuff yeah. the genius. All right. A <laughs> uh, couple more notes on uh, Nora Jones and this song before we head out and talk to Jesse Harris. In the Goodbye Toby episode of The Office, uh, Daryl sings Don't Know Why at the Goodbye Party. That's right. Uh, for I forgot Toby, about if you that. Remember that. Um, Nora Jones also appeared in one of my favorite episodes of the show 30 Rock. There's a, there's a great, like, maybe three episode arc where Alan Alda, the guy from like MASH and all that stuff, is a guest star and um, he needs a kidney and they decide to do this uh, fundraiser in the style of like we are the world called okay. kidney now and their whole thing is they're going to put on this whole production to get this one guy a kidney uh-huh. and Nora Jones is among the you know they put together this whole song Michael McDonald uh, Mary J. Blige Beastie Boys awesome. Robert Randolph it's like I mean it's this huge thing uh, what's it? Uh, Adam Levine Cheryl Crow it's massive Man. and uh, Nora Jones is Nora Jones is part of that crew that sings they sing just give a kidney anyway uh, and then uh and uh, what is it? Um, Michael McDonald has this great line about there's a part where they sort of break it down and everybody starts just talking into the camera and they're like, look, when somebody starts talking into the camera, you know, it's serious, you know, uh-huh. and um, Michael McDonald says something about basically, you know, um, this guy needs a kidney like I need my beard. Seriously, you don't want to see what's <laughs> under here. Like, it's great. Uh, okay, and this is something interesting I would not have expected from Nora Jones, but and this is in that same era. This is like maybe 2002 or 2003. Okay. Nora Jones provided uncredited vocals on Outkast's landmark double album, Speaker Box, The Love Below, on the track Take Off Your Cool. Check it out. And of course, now if you're listening on streaming, it's, liter- it's listed as Take Off Your Cool featuring Nora Jones. Oh, but at the time, it was uncredited. her in the back her voice and Andre's fit really good together and so what year was that was that 2003 speaker box love below well that's obviously I mean, her yeah yeah it's 2003 so yeah how about that I did that's not know cool. that I'm not like I don't. Ha- I've never owned an Outcast album. You know. Okay. I know the big hits, mm-hmm. but I've I've not owned any Outcast, so I was not aware of that. But I may be the only one in the world. I don't know. All right, let's play a little bit of the new project from Jesse Harris. 
Um, and then we're going to talk about it with him in just a moment. This album just came out October 21st, I think it was. This is uh, from Silver Balloon. Check out some of this first track. This is called The Hanged Man, and this will give you a pretty good indicator of where you're headed. It's kind of a trip. It's a little bit like, where's one? That's the hangman. That's the opening. Uh, that's the opening track. Then this is that's followed up by Yankee. This is track two. Some really good stuff going on in your ears if you're listening in headphones. of a definite groove here you know <laughs> yeah a little more pocket yeah a little more <laughs> yeah anyway good stuff coming from jesse let's go a little bit more on him before we um while as we play this this is hummingbird this is track five um There's that uh there's that chord. There's that 6213. He's had songs performed by Willie Nelson, Emmylou Harris. Recently he's worked with Maya Hawk and Lana Del Rey. Really smart guy. He's one of these smart guys that we like talk to and go all right, you read a lot of books, you know, like, and we don't. And so there's certain things that we just, you just have over us, you know, whatever. Um, there, but, there is one project that we talk about with him that was one of his first called Once Blue. I want you to, I want yeah. you to play a track because I made an analogy that um, I play the song um, Haven't Been Me by Once Blue because I think I said it sounds like her voice sounds like if you took Amy Grant and all the girls from California Dreams and combined <laughs> their vocals into one human. This is it. I love this song. I love her stuff with him. And this is Jesse on guitar doing all the most of the music. It's so right. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's every California Man. dream vocal character with Amy Grant. Plus Amy Grant. 
Oh my god. That's that lot the way it ends. That is such an uncanny description. Dude. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever done. That is with. so funny. That's deadly accurate. Uh-huh. Deadly so accurate. So pick up Once Blue as well, too. That's an older project uh, that Jesse was a part of. I, I really I dug deep on that. Yeah. So let's go talk to Jesse right now. But first, I need you to do one more thing. You've come so far. You're <laughs> almost there. I need one more thing of you. And that is to go on social media, give us a follow at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Great Song Pod. If you want to dig deep into the Great Song Podcast community, you can join the Facebook group. It is called Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. And if you want to be a producer of the show, like a few of our most close friends and most longtime hardcore listeners have dared to do, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash greatsongpod. And when you support us on Patreon, you get bonus goodies, early release, ad-free, extended shows, exclusive shows. You get our whole second podcast cast the catch up with rob and jp every weekend during the season um and uh so yeah you can do all that stuff if you throw us any kind of support at all at patreon.com slash great song pod all right we're gonna go talk to jesse harris we'll be back at the end to tuck you in this is the great song podcast ladies and gentlemen as promised we are here with jesse harris writer guitarist extraordinaire uh artist with really cool stuff coming out and I got to tell you, just straight away, as far as, like, when I started listening to your solo stuff, uh, I just went, this guy's way smarter than me. <laughs> like, just immediately, <laughs> Jesse is on another level musically from what I can comprehend. And Rob's smarter than me. Uh, we play a weekly game called Stump the Genius, and Rob is the genius that. in that equation. So, man, you're leaps and bounds above above this part of the room. So, I'll say I've, I've really I've, I've enjoyed digging into your your solo stuff a lot of your like um, a lot of your more like jazz influenced stuff really gives me the same feelings that I get when I listen to the old like Getz and Gilberto albums I get the same like love in my heart from your from your like jazz influenced stuff as those so uh, tell it why don't we start there why don't we talk a little bit about your background what's your musically where did you come from um you know, it's funny, like I didn't go to jazz school or anything like that, but I, you know, I grew up in a household where my father was listening to a lot of jazz and, and not only jazz, but jazz influenced pop. Okay. Um, so that was definitely part of my, you know, musical world growing up. And so I, I grew up in New York city, going to jazz clubs and going to rock clubs. Um, and so from a young age, I was, I was exposed to all that music. When I started to play the guitar, I, I aspired towards harmony that was a little more sophisticated than just like, you know, the regular open one, four, five, you know, guitar chords. Um, And I never took it far enough to become like a bona fide jazz guitar player, but I studied a lot, you know, um, with jazz musicians and, and surrounded myself with jazz musicians when I was young. And so, you know, my first band was, was all jazz musicians, guys who, you know, are still playing all over the world today. And anytime I had questions, I would ask them. And so that informed a lot of what I did. As opposed to like growing up with Mel Bay books, like we did. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's good. The, uh, so speaking of growing up, you're a twin. So yeah, who was, that's right. I am. Who was the better swimmer growing up? And I ask swimmer because you went to uh, to Riverdale Country School, and boys yeah. and girls were Ivy League champions in swimming. 62, 63, 76 through 77, 2002 to 2003, <laughs> 2007. <laughs> boys and girls, freaking domination. So who's Holy the cow. better swimmer, you or your twin? Okay. I have to say, I'm a much, much better swimmer Boom. than my sister. But, that's, but that happened after high school, like okay. 10, 15 years ago. I started swimming Masters Swim, you know, like oh, I joined a Masters Swim team. Yeah. There you go. Well, I, I yeah. accidentally landed into your area of expertise. I know, I know. I can't believe you, you, you did that. <laughs> okay. Now, but I never, I didn't swim in high school. Okay. I thought all my friends who swam in high school were just out of their minds. <laughs> they were throwing up, you know, like they'd get out of the pool looking like they had just been tortured. <laughs> now that's a, uh, that's a pretty, pretty renowned high school. I mean, Chevy Chase went there, JFK, RFK. And Carly Simon. Carly Simon. That's what I was, okay. Fa- wow. Favorite Carly Simon. That was the one I was saving for the end. Favorite Carly Simon song. Um. Oh man. Well, look. My favorite Carly Simon song was not written by her. Oh. It was okay. the, the theme to the Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. Um, okay. Nobody right. does it better. Not which was Austin written by Powers, Marvin Hamlisch. Not Austin Powers, the Spy Who Shagged Me. The Spy Who <laughs> no. Loved Me. Okay. Yeah. Different song. Yeah. Marvin Hamlisch wrote the song. Carly Simon sang it. That's my favorite Carly song. After that, I'd say you're so vain. You're so vain's the the no brainer. Yeah. yeah, I'm a classic. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a nobody does it better guy. That's my that's my Carly Simon take. But on I love that song. On we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll can we jump into Once Blue for just a minute because like yeah. I've been binging on Once Blue here lately. I, to be oh honest, my god, I wow, was not super familiar with the with you guys till I started doing research, and I love everything you and Rebecca did. Um, I saw y'all do Save Me on Conan from 96. Oh, my God. Solid yeah. mission with the upright bass. I love that. Yep. It's super hot yeah. in the studio mix, but it sounds great. Um, but my favorite <laughs> song by y'all is I Haven't Been Me. It's kind of like oh. if you took Amy Grant and all the girls from California Dreams into one voice <laughs> and combined that voice, with, that's how I hear it. So wow. That's, it's wonderful. Uh, my second favorite that's is when, you did there. when the lilies bloom. Um, the oh, ox, wow. The ox, keeps, deep. Okay. the ox keeps the song going, really moving uh-huh. in the headphones. Um, the shaker, that woodblock sound and click or whatever it is. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, it's a bossa nova kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And the way she sings first glimpse of spring, I'm like, pow. It's good stuff. So wow. that's my that's wow. my what's blue take. I really like it. All right. Oh, and I have cool. one more thing. I'm that so impressed. A, I have one more thing that times into a question. So she grew up on Gershwin and Cole Porter. You mentioned that you played harmonica, right? Until you saw John Popper. Is that right? <laughs> so favorite blues traveler song: Run Around or Hook. Neither of those. Great to be answer. Told- that was a trick question. Give me a different one. <laughs> <laughs> to be totally honest, by the time they hit that superstardom, I had moved on in life. You know okay. what I mean? Like, you know, at a certain age, like, you know, certain bands, like you listen to them a lot. And then and then you're like, I'm done with that, you know. Okay. But but I was really into them, like in the in the years before they even made their first record, when they would do gigs at little clubs in downtown in New York, they would play this place called Mondo Kane. And another place called Nightingale. And they were just small bars. And they would play like two or three sets a night. And, you know, just go with friends and just like 
get really me, drunk. Me and Rob <laughs> have interviewed multiple people that are friends with John Popper, most recently Chris Barron, and we confirmed that he has many swords. Right. So, nice sword oh, I heard he has swords and guns everywhere. Guns, yeah. cannon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, my yeah. favorite is Mountains Win Again. That was where I was going to land. Mm, but, solid. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was really into their early songs, you know? Like, you know, they had this song called But Anyway. They had a oh, song yeah. called... Yeah. Hundred years, you know, I, and they were on this cassette. They were selling cassettes at the time, so I bought their cassette. And those, and there were early versions of those songs on the cassette, and I really loved. For our loved listeners that. that don't know what cassettes are, <laughs> <laughs> our, our our demographic is yeah, well versed in the aware area of cassettes. Yeah, cassettes. for sure. Um, okay, I for I have to ask this before we before we get into more serious things here. I have to yeah. ask this for my for my kids. Am I right in seeing that you wrote the theme song to Dragon Tales? I I did. I was one of the writers of that song. Yeah. Wow. All right. Let me tell you <laughs> just how many times that song has played in the background of my house. Uh, I mean, just stuck in my head so many times as I raised four children at home. So I have no children, oh so I don't even really know what Dragon Tales is. <laughs> but if it's anything like DuckTales, I'm sold. <laughs> I'll show you an episode later. I'll show you an episode later. We can vibe on it. Um, okay. Let's, we're gonna, let's talk a little Nora Jones, and then we're going to talk about sure. your latest project. Absolutely. Um, okay. All so right. First, give me the full story. I, I want to know how you got connected with Nora Jones. Cause I know you had a lot to do with that first record. You're playing guitar. Yeah. You wrote like five of those tracks on that, on that, yeah. uh, come away with me record. So t- how right. did all that happen? Um, I, I met her by chance. Uh, um, my friend, Richard Julian, who's a songwriter too. Um, and, uh, he was driving across country from New York to Los Angeles and asked me if I wanted to join. And we had some friends, one of whom is Kenny Wallison, who co-produced my new record with me. Oh, awesome. Performing. He was with Mark Johnson performing at the University of North Texas at Denton with Kurt Rosenwinkel, Steve Cardness, and Mark Johnson. And so we made it a point to, to stop at Denton and see these guys play. And Nora was a student there and came to pick up the band at the hotel because she had this big old Cadillac. <laughs> and, and so we all met like that ended up spending the whole day together in Denton and all of us jammed that night and she sang and we were all impressed with her singing. And not only that, but that her knowledge of music and she was only 19 years old um, to make a long story short, she moved to New York and she and I just were hanging out a lot. And one day she sang a song of mine. Um, actually like as a joke, um, she did it in this Billie Holiday voice, but I said, <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> and and then, and then, you know, she started learning a whole bunch of my songs and I said, well, what, let's do a gig and, you know, why don't we make a little demo and then, you know, the rest is history. That's wow. awesome. A, such a chance meet. Like, I love that. The variables yeah. that all had to fall into y'all's favor to make that. If that's a mercury, that we're not having this story, but it's a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, if she's driving a, a Ford Tempo. If she's in a, yeah, a Pinto, <laughs> game over. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that's but, true. So yeah, that that album is obviously packed full of bangers, and obviously don't know why is you know the banger of all. The whole bangers. world knows that song. Yeah. Do you? I, I, it'd be interesting, like one day in heaven, if you <laughs> yes. get to know like the number of babies that got made to that album. <laughs> you know, 
Because, I mean, that's it's awesome. a lot. You know it's a lot. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that's, that's good. I hope so. We'll insert a PG-13 joke here later. That's really good. The, uh, well, that's not my favorite song on the album. Sorry to tell you. But Shoot the Moon oh. is, which you also oh, wrote. Okay. So, and me, okay. and me and Rob were talking before about how slow the long day is over is. It is so right. slow. And we were about to, yeah. to tap it out and count it. You probably know off the top of your head what BPM What's the BPM on What's that? What's the BPM on the long day is over? Well, I don't think we use a click track anywhere on There that. we go. No. Right. Anti-click. Yeah. <laughs> so what was uh, when, uh, what was the first song of yours that Nora decided to cut for the album? Um, probably there were, there were a bunch because we, we made a demo and one, and we did several songs on the demo, um, of mine. Don't know why, uh, something is calling you. And another one that was called, uh, the only time the, the, the latter two didn't make the, the record, but they're now on this reissue, this 20th anniversary. Oh, nice. Deluxe, yeah. Um, oh, and maybe one other one called Just Like a Dream Today. So like four. But then later we did the others. We added those others. Okay. Um, so the first one was, I think the first song we recorded at the demo was, was Don't Know Why. And it was like one take. Bam. And vocal was live and everything. Yeah. Um, she overdubbed maybe the, like went back in and just redid the piano part. But like in one take. And then later on, added some harmonies, and I added another track of guitar, and that was it. So that was a demo, actually. That's amazing. Dude, yeah. So was Lee playing bass on that? Lee Alexander? Yes, Dude, yes he I, was. Okay, let me tell you what I love about Lee is he produced one of my favorite albums all time, which was Amos Lee's first album. Yeah, Dude, I right. love that album, and I didn't make that connection yeah, yeah. that that was the same guy till I was doing this. Yep. Like, Holy cow, super cool. And, I mean, Dan's a legend, too. Marcy's Playground, come on. Mid, that's right mid, yeah and that's like prom marcy's playground yeah. that's like their yeah. era <laughs> that he was in it so so when you when you you know when this ball starts rolling with this album um and you start hearing you know Nora's cuts of these and and you and you're playing guitar on on most if not all of them you know do you get the feeling at that point that like this is something pretty special. I mean, obviously you, you felt something before you even made the demo or you wouldn't have done it. Right. But then even as the, as the album begins to unfold, are you thinking like, we've really got something here. I mean, I felt that way, as you said, before the album came out, I, I thought that there was something really special about what we were doing um, and about Nora. Um, at the same time, I think I, I, I was maybe a little bit, um, skeptical just based on my own experience with a major label, you know, like expecting it to do something and then having it not work out, which was the once blue record. Um, and so I just didn't expect ever that it could do what it did. I, I, that was beyond my imagination. Um, I did think that I thought, okay, like she's on blue note. I think it's going to do great. Like, I think this could sell a couple hundred thousand records. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, those were my expectations, which at the time were, were high expectations based on my experience. Um, you know, I never would have thought the record would sell, you know, what is it? 20, 20, 25 million records. <laughs> gracious. That's sick. And, and that was one of, that was one of the last like physical records that I remember yeah. that everybody bought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was right on that cusp of the digital age taking over where Everybody yeah. had a CD yeah. of come away with yeah. it. Everybody. Yeah. It was like, yeah. you know, you couldn't get away with it. So like, 
congratulations on all that. Like, that's, <laughs> oh, <you know>. <laughs> Can <laughs> we borrow five dollars? That's awesome. <laughs> that's, yeah. Nice job. That's great. Yeah, that's sure. amazing. Did so? Do you think the fact that you had Jay and Ted and Arif on that does that did that make a difference having that production team put that together? Yeah. That was that a difference Absolutely. maker? You think that? Helps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jay, Jay Newland's, uh, you know, his just the way he recorded and mixed the music, it just sounds timeless. Um, and and Arif Martin, Arif came in after we did those initial demos, but I learned so much just from working with Arif um, about producing. Um, I just, you know, observing how he worked and how he kept the ball rolling and 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 his general demeanor and his ability to work quickly in the studio and also stay completely relaxed. He had a lot of things that he did that were so impressive. Um, Reef was really, you know, and he was he was um, such a veteran. So it's 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 a rare opportunity to get to work with somebody like that um, and watch them, you know. For, for our listeners, Arif, they, they, they may not be as familiar. I mean, he's done stuff with Holland Oates, Roberta Flack, Anita Baker, Aretha. Like, he's a legend. And Jay is, is Jay's even done more recent Grammys with, like, John Schofield in 2016. He got one. He's done stuff with Clapton. Like, so that's – it's a powerhouse of production team. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I love it in people's bios uh, or, like, their Wikipedia pages or whatever when it says something like – Jesse Harris signed as a songwriter with Sony in 1998, and that's it, right? <laughs> but a, as a songwriter, I know there's so much more to that single line that gets glossed over in a bio like that, right? So, like, I mean, that's a whole life story for a lot that's of people. Right. So I, right. how was it that you came to sign with Sony initially? Um, uh, I was performing a, a weekly gig at a club called The Living Room with my band um, every Monday night. And, uh, and as you know, most things that have happened in my life, they came from performing live. Um, and so there was uh, a guy who was showing up to the gigs and his name was Nate Krenkel and he was a new A&R guy at Sony publishing. And he introduced himself and, and said that he'd like to meet with me. And so I went up there and he had just become an A&R person there at Sony and offered me a, a publishing deal. Um, it was a perfect moment for me. I was working as a legal proofreader. You know, it was, it was just at this point after once Blue had broken up and, the, and whatever money I had ran out and I was starting <laughs> to work as a legal proofreader, you know, and then, and I, and I remember they were going to offer me a deal and I thought, okay, even no matter what, I'm going to keep working as a legal proofreader and be really smart about the money. And then as soon as they, I, I saw the offer. I was, I was like, forget it. I'm never legal proofing again. <laughs> but, but to be honest, I ran out of that money too. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so that's how that happened. And it, 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 Sony became a great resource for me, not just because of the money, but they had this, they had a studio and this is before like, People had home studios. And so for me to be able to go there, make demos, I even mixed an album there. I did the first demos with Nora there and it was really useful. And then for those reasons, and also I just met A&R people from, from offices all around the world who ended up helping me get record deals in France, Japan, Brazil, you know. Um, so it was, it was a really great resource. And so when you're, when you're, um, you know, when you're doing music that is kind of getting 
globally like that? Is it a thing where you have to work out separate deals in all these different regions? No, no. Okay. If you sign a Sony, it's for the world. You know? okay. Unless you make a deal. Unless, I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people make deals that are for North America or just for Europe. You know, those deals exist. Yeah. Okay. Mine, mine is just for the world. The, uh, yeah. I have one other, Nora, before we go, go too far away from Nora, I got one other kind of deep cut that I wanted sure. to get some clarity on. I love, even though from the fall album, uh, which you also wrote, um, oh, yeah. ba- the bass is nice and punchy. Is that Dave Wilder on bass? I was having, do you remember? Were you in this? Because you, know, you don't play on that, right? Because I didn't play on that record. I forget who the bassist was. I did visit the studio when they were recording, but I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I was just curious as somebody who is a you know an established, obviously an established solid studio musician, and you hand your song that's written. How involved you were yeah. in the actual studio production of that, but because you're not listening. That on, particular song, I had nothing to do. You just give them the song, and you're like, roll with it. Yeah, that one, Nora and I wrote that song. That was like a real co-write. And then I know that whatever I had done, they took it and they they did something completely different. They okay. kind of, the band rearranged it. Um, yeah, it turned into something else. Okay. I like it. Um, I like the tremolo guitar and everything. I think it sounds good. So yeah, You cool. may be a little, but you may be like, <laughs> they, they, they tweaked my masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's nice. How, I know some people struggle with kind of a, releasing a song to you know to other artists it's like you know this is my baby this is my you know my opus uh and to hear something else to hear somebody else do it can can sometimes be a little uh difficult for people do you struggle with that at all you know no i love when people do versions of my songs the only thing that bothers me to be honest is is when people aren't faithful to the melody you mm. know because yeah. i figure you know my you know, if you listen to any of the great singers, when they sing a song, they sing the song and you can interpret, you can change little parts of the melody, but it's still that song. And so it's the only thing that's ever bothered me is if I, is if the song becomes unrecognizable. And I think, well, then why didn't you just write one? You know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you've got a great melody on your own. Yeah, why well, check it with thing. this song? That's funny. Right. <laughs> um, but but otherwise, no, I'm delighted when people sing my song. Um it's it's a it's a that's that's kind of the point of writing songs in a way is I always use this um, um, example of uh, the the liner notes of Bob Dylan's album bringing it all back home. He says a song is anything that can walk by itself, <laughs> and and I like that idea that that you, in writing a song you're creating something that has a life of its own and that can exist without you. Um, and I think that for me, at least the, the goal of, of good songwriting is to write songs that can exist without you. Um, and part of that is melody, you know, like is, is if you whistled it, would you recognize the song? Yeah. And I, and I think that a lot of great, uh, you know, singers who, who write songs sometimes forget that because they're such good singers that they can just like sing anything and it yep. sounds good. Um, but then forget about a melody. I don't know. I, I find that in, some you know music today that the melody gets forgotten it's like uh it's almost like yes it's like in some cases the the production and like the cool sounds of whatever ends up overtaking like this is the song is kind of the important part like you know <laughs> yeah you can hook, right. you can hook people for for a little bit with the production but if there's a song if there's not a real yeah. song present it's not going to last super long yeah that's know? good uh, yeah 
with a few notable exceptions, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, we can uh, we can talk about one of James Corden's favorite songs, the which you worked on with another pretty famous songwriter with Connor, First Day of My Life" by Bright Eyes. Oh, so yeah. how was it being on that side? Whereas he's you know predominantly the writer, and you're in as a yeah. as a guitar player. It's just you and him and Tim. Um, what's that experience yeah. like working with Bright Eyes? Because I mean, at that time, 2008. I mean, you know, I think that project came out in 05. But, you know, that's kind of when they're blowing up. Yeah, totally. Um, we went to, uh, to, to Lincoln, Nebraska, which is where um, uh, Mo- Mike Mogus' studio was at the time. And it was like negative five degrees. And <laughs> we were tough there on a guitar week. player. <laughs> yeah. And for that song in particular, we just, Connor had made all these records where they were very meticulously produced and he wanted to do something that was more folky that showed off you know his more intimate live side and so for that song we just stood in a circle in the same room with each of us with a mic in front of us I love and, that. and just got a take of the song so that's just a live take of that song that's cool um no overdubs nothing changed we were actually just talking about, we just did an episode on the nitty gritty dirt band and how they did their will a circle be unbroken album. And they just went straight mm-hmm. to tape, you know, like it was just, here we go. And they did, yeah. they recorded everything straight to tape from one or two takes. And there was like 30 something songs. Yeah, on it. I mean, it it just, wasn't like a, wow. yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. That that's the kind of stuff that never gets done anymore. I mean, that was 50 years ago, you know, so nobody's ever doing that now, yeah. but so I love it. When so it, I like to hear that you did a, your version of that yeah. with three people makes us happy. We love it. So that's, yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. also had some music in the smash hit film the hottest state just i've never seen that mm. i'm just kidding but um michelle <laughs> I am a fan of, which is surprising because i'm a fan of michelle williams since she was jen lindley on dawson's yeah. creek but man, I, w- uh, what a superstar soundtrack i mean willie black keys vice i mean it's huge um, yeah, I and I love yeah. Dear Dorothy off of there. Um, I mean, oh, Lines, and that piano solo in that is really nice. So it's, yeah, that's really nice in there. So thank fun. you. Well, we, you know, we just we just released that uh, album. We, we reissued it on vinyl. Oh, so, okay. That'll sound good say, on um, vinyl. That'll sound good yeah, on vinyl. It sounds amazing. So anybody who is interested should. Buy the record on vinyl. <laughs> there, you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Go so, to my Instagram. There's a link in there. You can you can get it. And, it's, and it, there's not a lot of copies left. And it sounds so good. And that pianist that you're talking about is a guy named John Dryden. And he and Dan Reeser and a bassist named Chris Lightcap just made a, a trio jazz record that I produced, um, which we recorded in my apartment. It's John Dryden's record. And okay. it's great, great jazz trio record. Okay. Um, it's, it's it's just called Trio, John Dryden, D-R-Y-D-E-N. Yeah, you should check okay. it out. Excellent. We yeah. will do. All right. Uh, let's talk about, I'm ready to get into Silver Balloon if you're. Yeah, if you're I got ready. one. I got okay, two other go questions okay. and then we'll jump in or I can hit them later. All right. I, I, I can do these <clears> quick. <throat> so saw you got credit on Tales, the album by Lisa Loeb. Uh, oh, yeah. I love yeah. Taffy and Hurricane off that. And I, did you play guitar on You Were Meant For Me by Jewel? I played like now, the radio single. I did. Yes. There was a, ver- a single that was released, like a new version that was recorded of that song. It wasn't the one that became the big hit, but there okay. was, for some reason, she did another version of the song that was released. And okay. yeah, I played on that one. Interesting. So let's just stop for a minute and talk about the three people that I just talked to. Nora <laughs> Jones, Lisa Loeb and Jewel. Yeah. 
or hanging out with it. This is freaking cool. Right. So okay, I'm good. Let's, let's <laughs> jump into some. Let's jump into so silver if you, balloon. If you, as a female, want to have a hugely successful right. career, contract you call Jesse Harris. That's right. <laughs> in some capacity, you need Jesse in your life. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's talk about your latest and and as we record, it's it's uh, not fully released, uh, silver balloon. But there's a couple tracks out now, and uh, I got to say the 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 opening track, the hanged man. Is really yeah. kind of um, other. Like I listened to it's it, and I was trippy. Just kind it's of some sp- trippy guitar. Yeah, yeah spellbinding. Yeah. you know. Uh, so yeah. tell me what goes into kind of your thought process in writing and production. Like when you're writing it, are you going, "This is how it's going to sound. This is the kind of effect I want," or does that come later? It came neither later or before, to be honest. Okay, <clears throat> it was. A lot of this record was just discovery. It was me and, and Kenny Wallison together in my studio. And we would pretty much record a whole song between about one or two o'clock and 7 p.m. And that particular song, we recorded it. And then Kenny dialed in a preset on a harmonizer. And we put, and he said, why don't we put the guitar through this? And I put the guitar into it. And we were listening back as it was recording, hearing that sound as I was playing it. And we were just looking at each other like, this sounds so cool, you know? <laughs> and, and I, I only, I just did two takes of it. And then I just kind of cut together my favorite parts from the two takes. But I, all I can tell you is that that was just a discovery. That was just something that happened spontaneously as we were hanging out and I'd never heard anything like that. People think, you know, that we like, I played it and then we put it in reverse. Yeah. That's what it I wasn't thought. Like that at that's all. what I thought it, it was, was, was played. In no, reverse. it was live. It was just live to, to tape like that. Um, so yeah, I was, as I was playing, that's what I was hearing. So that's, um, that's cool. I was responding to that effect and playing kind of into that effect. And yeah, I've never done that before and then we did use that same effect on a couple other songs on the record which you'll hear later when those songs come out um but not like as much as it as not as present as on that one particular song the hangman it's definitely a it's definitely a grabber for a first track it's yeah. a great way to go hello yeah like you know, listen to this. <laughs> yeah so that's very cool and then uh, the the other single that you've got released uh as we record is one in a million uh you want to tell yes. us a little bit about one in a million yeah, like, okay, so th- there were two songs that I did just acoustic. Um, as I said, Kenny and I would record from about one o'clock until seven, and then we'd go out to dinner together, come back and keep working on the record. Two songs I recorded in the morning, solo acoustic. And then when Ken- Kenny came in, we would add a little bit of stuff to it. And then that would be, and so there's like two kind of acoustic songs on the record, one of which is One in a Million. And Kenny just added some keyboard stuff to that. And again, put my vocals through the harmonizer. And um, that's a song that I wrote maybe like just like the day or two before we recorded it. Um, Cause I was really excited by the sound that we were getting like with the hangman. And there was another song called uh, hummingbird, which you'll hear soon. Um, and, and I, and Kenny was available and Kenny's never available. And so I wanted to take advantage of the fact that he was around and excited and so I wrote a bunch of songs that week that we recorded and the hangman was one of the ones that I wrote. And then, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, one in a million was one of the ones that I wrote and then recorded almost immediately. 
Well, it, um, may, it may sound a little less adventurous compared to the hangman, <laughs> but don't sleep on those chord changes, man. That's freaking, oh, that's nuts. It, it's more of like, that's sort of like an old Tin Pan Alley kind of song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's real like old fashioned, even in the lyrics. Yeah, wondrous and world, would, wondrous people is definitely, t- yeah. that's definitely old school phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, go ahead. No, after you. Um, yeah, no, but that was, that song is kind of more old school, but we still wanted it to have like that weird spaced out sound. Um, and, you know, so it was like, we wanted it to be old sounding, but also at the same time, kind of like, science fiction yeah you know, or something and i think just just based off what i've heard and kind of what you're uh you know what you're saying it feels to me like you've done very well with the cover of this album as well like it feels like it very much fits Matches the up. vibe that that's you're trying good. to go um, with yes. you know i like that that's good you mean with the homie holding the balloon yes. out on yeah. the beat yeah. yeah i mean it's it's pretty literal with an album called silver balloon you know yeah. but but the look of it yes. the vibe that it gives off very much fits you know uh, what it sounds like you're going totally. for. So I think it, I think you know. Cool. Okay. So, oh, thanks. so you're going to have a listener go out and listen to like your introduction to Jesse Harris. What song do you pick? I'll tell you what I suggest. I suggest rocking chairs, which had faked me out completely at two forty eight, where it sounds like it's ending. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. Hang on, folks, there's more. <laughs> and there's like a minute, yeah, yeah, 12 yeah. more. Um, and that, that tasty Wurlitzer or Clav or whatever it is, you probably know underneath. Uh, really nice. Uh, what song do you say? Meet Jesse Harris. Here's my song. Well, I mean, Rocking Church is a nice one. I did that. I recorded that in Rio de Janeiro with with um, almost all Brazilian musicians except for the drummer and the drummer Bill Dobrow. He we did end the song when we did that tra- that take, and then he played that fill, and then we kept going. It's like so that was That's cool. I like that yeah. story. That's good. Um, but. I mean, there's a there's a song of mine called Watching the Sky, which is the title track of an album uh, called Watching the Sky that I don't know. It's it's one of the only songs of my own that I like to listen to. OK, sometimes. That's, okay. that's a good answer. Yeah. That's a, um, my second favorite would be then, Wish I Was a Bird. That would be that would be number two. Oh, that would be number okay, two, which is different. Yeah. So that's you can hear this side of Jesse or a little yeah. bit more of this. So there you yeah. Go. And then for me, I was like the new stuff. So I would say, listen to the hangman. And I'd also say, check out a song called Alchemista from my instrumental project Cosmo. Yeah. The Cosmo record is very cool. Um, and it's got so many people involved with it, but it's a really neat one. Uh, so check that out for sure. And that just came that came out earlier this year, right? Too. You're, came out July one. Yeah. Yeah. So you're very busy. Uh, <laughs> do you have, are you, are you planning on touring on silver balloon and Cosmo? Cosmo, it's hard because the guys, all the guys in that band are so busy and Silver Balloon, I can do gigs like I'm going to go to Paris and I've got a band in Paris who I play with. Okay, I'm going to go to L.A. and playing with different guys in L.A., New York, different guys, you know, Nashville, different guys. That's right. I mean, we'll be your Nashville guys. We'll, yeah, we'll throw it I got yeah, I got to get my Nashville band together. After we told him how much smarter he is than I know, us, we're, we're like, gonna be like, "You're brilliant! Let's play yeah. Those chords are amazing. <laughs> we got <gotcha>. you." <laughs> He's like, "No one four five. We're like, "Crap!" <laughs> <laughs> I know. Nationally, you do those charts where you just put the the number of the Nashville chord, right? Oh, yeah. Six so, minor. There you That's go. It. It's yes. all over the place here. I don't even. Yeah, we don't, like we don't even know how to spell chords anymore. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But but yeah, so I'm doing some gigs. You know, I'm doing not like a major tour, like just a few gigs around. I may do some more Brazil gigs. 
Um, I'm going to go to Mexico in January. And then in New York, I'm also doing a night because um, Kenny and I have been making all these uh, sort of avant-garde films, which are music videos, but like more like avant-garde films. Okay. They're not conventional music videos. And um, we're going to do a night screening them at Roxy Cinema, which is a, a really cool um art house <clears throat> cinema in New York. And we're going to do that October 13. Um, but, but yeah, I, that's it for now. I mean, I may get into some more shows after the new year. I'm I just taking it as it comes. Awesome. Very cool. Well, yeah, you've been a lot of fun. We uh, appreciate your time today. Hope you've had a good time. We've loved chatting with oh, you. Oh yeah. yeah. This has been a blast. And thanks. I really appreciate you guys, you know, doing such thorough, uh, Absolutely. listening. Oh, dude. I'm really impressed. We love right. it. We love it. We have, we have, oh, one. We have one, one question that we ask everybody. So everybody gets okay. this question. So you're on, All right. you, let's say you are on tour either with Nora Jones or solo project or whatever, and you go into a gas station, what is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine. So I get a three musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want and it's the most ounces. So I get a three musketeers bar. What is your <laughs> gas station snack food of choice? I'm really boring because I don't like any of that food. And if I have to eat something, I'm probably going to find like, some unsalted raw almonds. I knew, I knew you were an almonds man. guy. I knew it. Oh, <laughs> Hence the swimmer. Better shape. Yeah. We get it. I took, or a banana. Of- I don't know. Yeah. Uh, keep it simple. He, he hops on the Zoom. Yeah. It's like almonds. Almonds. Here I knew, we yeah. go. I took one look and said, this guy does almonds. <laughs> well, check out Jesse Almonds Harris on, uh, on tour near you in Paris. Yeah, that's cool, man. Dude, this has been yeah. fun. Seriously, let's, uh, let's keep in touch. Um, All right. Thank yeah. you so much. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Can't wait Thank to hear you. the rest of it. Talk to you soon. Bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Jesse Harris. Uh, Rob Rob is not uh, able to be found right now, so I'm bringing us back in. I know he's normally the one that brings us out of these, um, so I'm a little out of kilter here. Don't. Re- oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here he comes. Oh, there he is. Oh, Rob. oh man. Okay. I Listen. I feel like I owe you an apology. <laughs> You're good. I was just wondering where you were. I well, I waited till I saw the sun. <laughs> there it is. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't come. I left you. <laughs> is guys we have leaned into that joke as heavily as possible (laughs) we started with it with the fantastic and we're sending you out with it in different form uh (laughs) thank you guys so much Uh, i'll let rob take it from here back in his comfort zone all right gang hang out with us online at facebook twitter and instagram at great song pod um become a producer at patreon.com slash great song pod and we will continue on here we'll try and find some better jokes for next week uh but we'll be back next week no promises a lot of the same that's right (laughs) we just what if we just milk that joke that for joke forever the rest of the uh, season no matter the guest or like house of fun here we go <laughs> here we go we'll see you guys we're gonna next be covering week. life house fun house <laughs> next week house of fun all right we'll see y'all next week with another great song until then i'm rob well, i'm jp go listen to some music